art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Something, something, something. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. And it is the beginning of the month, which means it's an all-new, regular brand episode of the Something Something Cast. Something Something Cast. It is now, holy shit, what month is it now? Is it April? Oh, my God. It's April. It's my birthday month. Yay. That's all I have. So I'm going to tell you. I'm sure that comes through, right? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. I heard all those crickets. Yeah, uh, the the applause button for some reason isn't working. Clearly hate my birthday. Yeah, no, it's the the applause button. Mm. Well, anywho, uh, this was uh, a topic that we sort of, I don't know, we skimmed across it. This was, it came out of nowhere. I don't remember. We were doing another episode and we were like, oh, it was Megan. Yes. This episode was spawned from Megan. Yep. Um, to tell you guys how far back we are on ideas. Megan, we did that so many three weeks ago. So, we are doing today Best Robot Overlords. Well, yeah. I'm not sure. Is that the best is the right terminology favorite? for it, but... Well, this is one of those ones where, you know, we put the topic out and then every time we sort of tried to narrow it down to a field, it was, uh, we could include those. So it, was, it became sort of just robot overlords, uh, which has a, a wide variety of, of thought process. And I'd like to, I'd like to think I uh, ventured in to a lot of different angles on this. So wh- what direction did you come for robot overlord? Uh, I went with ones that, like, impacted me. Mm-hmm. So, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be best, but we'll right. see. Yeah, I had, and I did have one that I was, uh, surprised that my childhood memory of was wrong, because it was like literally the first thing I put down on my list, and then when I went to go pull up my research on it, it was like, oh, it's not a robot at all. It was a giant brain. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, which was it from A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, but again, not a robot, just a giant brain. Not a robot. So where, uh, do you want to start this one off? Uh, how do you start this one off? I feel like I've been starting a lot of them off. All right, fair enough. Well, then um, I will start with probably my silliest, but it is one uh, which but makes me super happy, and uh, I wish to meet up with this robot again in the future. You'll understand in a second. Um, There is a game that I played in early high school. It's since gotten a Kickstarter and updates and etc. It's sort of back on the role-playing game Zitgeist. It is a little game called Paranoia. Uh-huh. And the leader of said game is a machine by the name of Friend Computer. And it's the 
one who gives you all your missions or kills you or both. Um, Paranoia is a super silly game. The idea is there you are a bunch of clones living in Alpha Complex and you're given missions. Um, every person in the game, every player in the game is given a, a job as well as a mutant society that they work from or a secret society, even though uh, everybody knows secret societies are forbidden and mutations are forbidden, but every player has one. Um, and the computer will promptly kill you for... Uh, revealing that you are a mutant or in a secret society. Uh, the, the game's just stupid fun. I mean, we used to try and see how how short of a game we could have before the computer just kills you. Uh, my favorite being, I, I had some mission, you have to go, you know, go to Quadrant B, have dinner, C, immediately. And you're like, friend computer, where, where were you supposed to go? Were you not listening to the friend computer, sir? No, I was listening. It just, I just missed the dead yeah. Next, my last clone didn't inform me where we were supposed to go. Fine, you were supposed to go to segment B. You have to C. God damn it! Can you show me a map to the quadrant? A map of Idaho on the screen. God damn it! <laughs> and this goes on until every clone is dead. Um, brilliant, stupid, and funny. Did you play Paranoia at all? Uh, we played a couple times. Uh, I remember uh, one session we ended up in kind of like a Westworld kind of area, mm -hmm. um, and we short-circuited a lot of the sentry uh, robots because, you know, you go into the, uh, like the, uh, I'll call it the general store, right? and you get to pick your hats, and the you know the hierarchy of uh, paranoia kind of goes by colors so the mm -hmm. higher up the color spectrum yes. you are you're more powerful so the robots uh, the uh, security robots treated us very very differently and reacted very very differently depending on whether we were wearing the white cowboy hat or the black cowboy hat <laughs> that's funny so it was a lot of black hat white hat black hat white hat <laughs> and just watching them go, you should, sorry, sir, you, but you can't, I'm sorry. You can't, Very good. Um, now, I'm going to ask before we go any further, I may have uh, misunderstood the brief. Interesting. Because all of mine are from movies. Oh, were we supposed to just stick with movies? I, I don't think there was a decision ever made. I think it was just an assumption on my part. Uh, well, because I will then I think this is a multi this is going to be a multi um, media so, episode. So therefore, uh, our prediction of are we going to have any overlaps? Uh, I believe the odds have dropped uh, tremendously. Fair enough. Because uh, I got two movies, but uh, no, that's fine. One. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm yep. But I'm starting with friend computer. I will uh, be the odd guy out. Go right ahead. No, I, I think maybe I'm the odd guy out. Yours, your answers are all homogeneously similar. <laughs> I'm the weird one. I was, well. My last point about uh, that I was going to say was we had a great gaming session of Paranoia um, that really all started and ended in one room, and it started with an argument between one of the players uh, and the computer over which was the more important word in the phrase mandatory bonus objective. Mm-hmm. We were given a mandatory bonus objective to which one of the players was just like, but is it a bonus or is it mandatory? Are you doubting my wording? Uh, no, but I would like to get down the semantics of this. 
to be fair. <laughs> From there, it went downhill. But it's your turn. Uh, so my first option, having gone all <clears throat> movies, mm-hmm. um, back in 1995, there was a movie uh, that starred Peter Weller. And this is not the one that you're thinking of, because that okay. one took place in 1987. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie called Screamers. Ha-ha. And I don't know if you've ever seen the mutant robot things from Screamers? I don't think I have. Um, so, how to explain? Uh, picture kind of like chicken legs. Okay? Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, just two chicken legs. But then like a, a, just the two. a armadillo kind of body and tail. With sort of like a hawk-like face that has a circular saw built into the front of it. I see. Yes. it's. On, I, I just threw up a Google image here, uh, and I see where you're getting the chicken thing. I would also say almost like a, in a, a two-legged iguana. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a strange-looking creature. Yes, very much so. Um, and they're far smaller than you think. Like, when you watch the trailer, they're literally, like, cat-sized. So they're not like these, you know, gigantic kind of, you know, city-stomping kind of robots. Right. Uh, But they're very fast, and they burrow, and they're very dangerous. Um, And all those little spines underneath them are, like, poison-tipped. So, uh, to me, when you're talking about creepy kind of stuff, uh, this was one of the first things that kind of kind of came into my brain when we started discussing the whole robot overlord thing. Now, uh, what, did these things have a boss, or were they just sort of out on their own? Uh, they shit? were They were kind of minions. Okay. They're cool looking, I won't lie. They're, they're kind of cute. Yeah, they were actually called uh, Autonomous Mobile Swords. And... What happened was, see, what had happened was, <laughs> um, if I was to, to break this kind down of, a bit. It's kind of, I guess, maybe playing itself out a little bit in real time, oh, no. since we now have uh, leaders of various tech companies uh, asking slash pleading for a six-month moratorium on any further AI development oh, yes. until we can kind of get shit figured out. Which um, means until they get theirs back up. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's AI. exactly what it is. got to give us time to catch up. Yep. Because I was too busy, you know, tunneling Twitter into the ground. <laughs> um, these are AI robots. Uh, that became smart enough to be able to build themselves. Okay, see, there's... So that that was where the horror came in, because it was, oh my god, these things are terrible. We need to destroy them. Well, we just destroyed 50. Where did those 400 come from? Oh, well, they're building them... I'm sorry, what? They're building (laughs) themselves? Rewind, I missed the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry? (laughs) Baking powder? Yes. So, yeah, not good. And then it it kind of devolves into almost like the thing 
where they start uh, realizing that their biggest, their best chance for survival is to start looking more humanoid. Um, and right. That, so then it becomes like you know, like I said, very much the thing where you're not sure if you're talking with your best friend or your best friend who's a robot. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, I got one that is similar. Let's let's go similar vein here. And I apologize for all the crinkling in the background. Because I have one uh, that was self-replicating. Oh. That, um, to the point where it took over its own universe. Uh. And has finally gotten to the Marvel 616. Okay. I have chosen the Phalanx, who are... When I first started reading Marvel Comics, oh dear. Um, I inherited this giant collection of Marvel Comics when I was a teenager. Um, the first storyline that I started reading them was just like, oh, motherfucker, I'm going to enjoy this. It was the beginning of Generation X, which was the team with uh, Emma Frost, Banshee, Jubilee, etc. <clears throat> the precursor was a storyline called The Phalanx Covenant. And it is about just this weird yellow... It, the way it's drawn looks like just goop, but it's actually... Itty bitty bitty hive minded yellow nanobots that are just taking over the world. Um, and this is how Generation X begins. But they, uh, if you are a fan of old X Men, <clears throat> they're an expansion of the technocracy. It wasn't the technocracy, it was the tech. Technarchy, uh, which is how we got Warlock and New Mutants. Um, but anyway, it's just this techno-organic life form that is, it, if you think of like Big Hero 6, like the nanobots in that, or you think of any sort of liquid nanobot thing where it can turn into shapes and, oh, it's like turned into an arrow to point you in this direction, but it's also now enveloping humans and eating them. Um, yeah. So... So cool. I always thought that the Phalanx as a villain, um, and they've been brought back quite a few times. They're sort of a B-list villain at this point in the Marvel Universe, which is a bummer. Um, but it, it, at times they destroyed a huge chunk of the Shi'ar Empire. Um, I think there was something with the Kree as well, but I, I, it's been a long time. Um, but yeah, they were always super creepy, and I thought they were neat. It's funny. You started talking about that and my brain immediately went in a incorrect direction. Oh, what'd you think? Well, you started talking about it, and I was kind of confused as you were talking about X-Men, mm -hmm. because when you started describing him, um, I immediately was envisioning uh, Parallax from oh, the Green Lantern movie, yeah. which was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Because they are also kind of like yellow nanobot kind of amorphous things. That's a bummer. Yeah, Phalanx did it first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I, and I'm since it was X-Men, it was better. That's probably true. Just depending saying. on the era. Unless uh, certain writers wrote it. Just okay. saying. I, guess, I mean, maybe he's... Is it really... He's, <laughs> yeah, demonic parasitic entity. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. All right. I All right. pass the buck to you. <clears throat> you have. So, way, way, way back when, when I was but a young podcast, Rob. 
when I was a young boy. There was a movie that came out from Disney that had, uh, it actually had a lot of firsts in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first movie, I believe, that had a computer image on the screen that was not just the camera looking at a computer screen with an ah, image on it. Gotcha. Um, and it had a lot of robots in it. A lot of robots in it. But the most terrifying robot of 1979's Disney's The Black Hole was uh, the big red robot called Maximilian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that robot haunted my dreams for years. I haven't seen The Black Hole since I was itty-bitty, but I still remember that he is a cool-looking, old-school Iron Man bitch. Yeah, very kind of like like if first-gen Iron Man was made by Apple. <laughs> yes, very good. Didn't he have something in his hand? Something like it was a... It wasn't a sword, like a claw or something. He had something crazy in his hand. He, uh... So both of his hands were kind of like claws. Okay. But they could, oh, like, they were blades. Um, That's what it was. Like, it, picture, like, four claw machine, kind of like grippy fingers on mm -hmm. either hand. But he could also open them wide to make them just, like deadly spinner fan blade kind of things. Yes, that's exactly what I was remembering. It was the fan blade. Bit. Yeah, yeah. That is a pretty cool one. I wonder if that movie still holds up. No, uh, I haven't watched... I was really young when I saw it, so I don't even remember it so much. My guess is that it probably doesn't. Yeah, most of those old Disney 70s we throw everything at the wall movies don't. Yeah. Um... Like, even Pete's Dragon, which I know both of us uh, love, um, only kind of half holds up. Right. Like, it's enjoyable, but it's not great. You know, Escape from Witch Mountain, okay. Even Tron, and I love Tron, is a boring movie. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Yeah, no, because I, 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 I liked the sequel. I thought yeah, the sequel like, was really good. Excellent. Uh, the biggest issue I had with the sequel was, again, CGI still hasn't figured out how to be able to have uh, lips, teeth, and tongue on something that they're trying to make look human yeah. react well. The culinary just seems to be so <laughs> slow. And not, it, like, it's, but uh, the first movie, like... Parts of it are fun and entertaining. Sure. But man, the fucking pacing on that movie is terrible. Yeah, it really is. And I, I respect it and I love the visual and I will always love Tron and Light Cycles and like the neon everything. It's it's my, my jam. But oh, if you're not paying attention, that movie's second act will put you to sleep. It's 96 minutes and it feels like it's four hours. Similarly, I've never gotten through Dune, ever. I never, yeah. I've fallen asleep before we meet Sting so many times. Um, 
But another topic for another day. Let's yeah. add this to the pile. Movies that we've never seen. All movies that put us to sleep. Yeah. Movies that create naps. My next one, I'm going to stick with co- the comic book world, although this one has a movie counterpart. This, If there was one that I thought we were going to connect on, it was this one. Because this is, uh, it's different in the comics than it is in the movie. This was created by one of the greatest scientists in the world. And slowly but surely began to hate its maker and society and people. And so it's just tried to destroy us. Now in the comics, it left and was rebuilt and left and was rebuilt and stopped and rebuilt uh, to the point where it was learned that almost every sentient robot in the Marvel universe has some executable code that runs secretly that when they can, they are to rebuild Ultron. Um, and we are to the point now where I think we're up to like Ultron 12 or 13. I, you know, the last time I read a comic, it was like Ultron five and a half. Um, but Ultron is such a badass monster. And then... I think they did him very well in Avengers. I just wish he was a little more terrifying. But it's not to dismiss. It's the weakest of the Avengers films, so that's fine. I will agree with you. I really, 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 really wanted to like Age of Ultron. Right. Um... When they said that they had uh, James Spader cast as the voice, I was just Amazing. like, because ah, I'm a huge Blacklist fan. So I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, definitely. Here we go. And I was okay that they basically just changed the whole origin of Ultron and that he was kind of like, you know, uh, kind of a Jarvis offshoot yeah, thing they needed that to make Stark changes. had done. I get it. But the fact that and maybe it's because of like we had had conversations over the many years of this show. Almost ten for those playing at home. Coming up. Um, when something is so amazingly ultra powerful they have to figure out a way to dumb it down because they just can't keep the scale of everything. Mm-hmm. Um... He behaved too human for my tastes. Right. That he never really felt all-powerful and imposing. Correct. That's basically what bugged me the most about Ultron. Yeah, I agree. Um, There is a thousand different ways you can make Ultron horrifying. And I think the comics have done a great job in so much as, like, the the MO of Ultrons uh, is to replicate so they can fulfill their mission. Um, so they keep finding amazing new ways to bring him back out where like some machine is sentient and slowly building it cell by cell or the vision has secret code. So when it leaves saying it's, you know, going to shoot pull down at the tavern, he's just going to his storage locker and building Ultron or whatever. Um, but in the movie, James Spader aside, he was less... Less than the horror that I wanted, no matter how great Spader is. Yeah. As a note, I know you didn't watch The Office. You need to watch the uh, James Spader episodes of The Office. He is okay. in a 
he comes out, he comes along where the show is sort of in a in a lull and becomes the VIP of the season he's in as the guy who takes over the business who is some uh rich mogul grifter who lived like a life of debauchery in the 70s describing like cocaine parties around his pool it's amazing anyway all in that spader boys all so in that Ultron's, Red Reddington voice. Yeah, it's exactly it. Uh, his name's Robert California. Oh, nice. Which is... <laughs> All right. Ultron to you. Yes. So, from the... From the spaceship of the black hole, uh, I go to the surface of the second planet from the sun. In a little movie called The Red Planet. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have not. Um, I thought it was kind of a fun kind of movie. Um, But it's uh, about these, you know, these astronauts that are going to kind of prep Mars for terraforming. Sure. Just as a quick question, which planet from the sun did you say? Second. Nope. My very educated mother. Oh, no, that would be the fourth planet. Yeah, sorry. Other yeah, side of the Earth. Yeah, no, that's right. My bad. <laughs> I just didn't... I, I heard the emails and the tweets coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I going mean, to Venus. hey, it will get email, right? That's true. It is the sixth planet from the sun. <laughs> Trying to make them angrier. Continue. Didn't they vote that Mars wasn't even a planet anymore? <laughs> They're gonna they're gonna swap. Not only are they gonna swap and make Mars not a planet and Pluto a planet, but they're actually going to swap the planet's locations. That's fair. They're gonna and, uh, move Pluto to the fourth planet, and they're gonna. No. Um, and to hit all the demographics, exactly. It's no longer a sailor scout either. Uh, <laughs> so the killer robot in Red Planet is called Amy, which is short for Autonomous Mapping Exploration and Evasion. Not sure Horrible why. Evasion was thrown in at the end, except to get <laughs> a second E. Right. Um, but this is... This robot was fairly terrifying. Um, it looks kind of humanoid-esque. It's got that kind of... It's it's It was creepy in a way that Megan was a little creepy in the fact that when she started chasing after that kid, she started running on all fours. Yeah. Um, so Amy is that kind of robot where it can either be bipedal or quadrupedal, depending on what it needs to do and where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, you know, it, it takes kind of a, a shot to the head when it crash lands. And since it's a military robot, uh, it says, oh, my programming has now gone askew, and I need to protect the landing pod from any potential uh, assaults and uh, enemies to it, of which all of the humans that were in the landing pod oh. are now classified as uh, dangerous and, right. and enemies. So, you know, Amy... Do what you do when a military robot goes awry. Um, 
I'm surprised I haven't seen this. This looks like a movie that even if it was on at like... This, this feels like a movie that would have just been on HBO at 2 in the afternoon on a Sunday that I would have been... I would have eaten up. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, is I, like, I had it on DVD. Um, and I was like, eh, I mean, it's okay. I mean, if you look at the cast... Yeah. The fucking cast is banger. For the year 2000, this is a... Val is a Kilmer, re- Carrie Ann Moss, Tom Sizemore, Benjamin Bratt, Terrence Stamp. Like, what? Um, and yet, somehow, it has a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb, and it has a 14% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with an average rating of 3.9. I mean, Um, a good cast doesn't make a good movie. I'd still watch it, because I like crap. (laughs) Well, that's true. Um, I think the funniest thing was, uh, so this movie was... Trying to find what the this was rated. I'd assume it's R. Where is it? Oh, it's PG thirteen. Yes. Um. So the two funny things that I did read in the trivia about this movie: number one, Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore played rock paper scissors to see who got the honor of saying the one f word in the movie. (laughs) Um. And they apparently hated each other. Really? Yeah. So apparently. Kilmer got pissed because Sizemore wanted to delay production to have this fancy exercise machine that he had from England sent to the set in Australia. And it got to the point where Kilmer wouldn't come out of his trailer if Sizemore was on set and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So many of their scenes together, they had to change the camera perspective so that if we're filming Val Kilmer and we see his face, we're filming over, quote unquote, Tom Sizemore's shoulder, who was really just a body double and vice versa because they wouldn't be on set together. Um, And... he wouldn't, e- Kilmer wouldn't even call Sizemore's character by the character's name in the movie and eventually just resorted to calling him Hey You. Now, I guarantee you, I will probably go and hunt this movie down to watch it. And I also guarantee you, now that you've said that, I will not be able to, like, I, I will see it every time. Oh, absolutely. That it's over the shoulder. 100%. I will not miss it. Um, not for nothing. I, I don't know. I know Val Kilmer's had some some struggles. Um, Tom Sizemore has always seemed like he's kind of a dick. He just, he has an air of dickness about him. They both have had, uh, issues. Oh, has he as well? Okay. Oh yeah. Let's not judge. He he had. Oh, is Tom Sizemore dead? Uh, I don't know. I legitimately, I seen, I know his face and I can remember him from movies, but I know very little about the man beyond. Nope. He died. Yep. He died this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm fairly certain he passed away in March, but all of a sudden, am I the asshole? Like, am no. I suddenly incorrect? And did I... He literally, <laughs> uh, almost a month ago today. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, yeah. That's, I was basing it on that. There you go. Crazy. All right. Well, I, I wish, I wish their families the best. On to the... <laughs> Kick this topic under the dust. Um... My final is, uh, my sorry, my fourth is a movie. It is a horrifying movie. It is one of the first body horror movies I saw when I was younger and went, oh, movies can be fucking creepy. Because in my teenage years, I really enjoyed Dean Koontz books. Um, <clears throat> as an older gent, not so much. But <clears throat> when I was a child, 
uh, I, he was my gateway into all of the horror reading. And he had a book that was a movie from the 70s that I needed to see. So I did. It is called The Demon Seed. Mm-hmm. And this movie is... I don't even know whether the movie's good or not. I have not seen it in 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, but it is a super smart computer that uh, does everything, and it's slowly learning about humans, and he... It's got a crazy AI. Uh, it, this all comes down to the idea that the AI realizes that um, to be immortal, uh, you must bear children. Um, so the only way for it to be like a human is for it to give birth. So it kidnaps a woman and impregnates her, which is like the fact that this movie came out in 1970-something, 77, and if that movie came out today, it would still be a horrifying premise. That, that tells you how good of a horrifying premise it is. Right. Um, but yeah, the demon seed was fucking creepy. And it, the more I reread some of the description, the more I was like, wow, Koontz was really onto something with this one as far as horror goes. Like there are AI things in it that are made of sort of nano poly triangle things. Um, there's been tons of computers take over a house sort of movies and this one i think might be the first other than like a, a rogue episode of twilight zone but um yeah the the computer makes a baby and it's just like horrifying i need to rewatch it to remember if it's as bad as i thought it was because i remember the reveal of the kid which is sort of a fake reveal um is this globular throbbing pustule thing it's not the actual kid there's another ending but just gross across the board um the demon seed it's i was surprised how quickly i saw it ranked when i was like looking because it was on my list and i was like oh i'm not the only person who remembers this neat Whew. yeah i'm gonna be honest uh when i was looking at a number of different lists for uh inspiration it was on pretty much every single one of them yeah, I was super happy to see that. That p there are people who are as scarred by this fucking thing as I was. <laughs> but that brings us to you. All right, so uh, one of the two that I thought we might potentially overlap on, uh, we did not. Okay. Um, I was I was thinking that maybe there was a chance that you had uh, Maximilian from the Black Hole. Oh, very good. On your list. <clears throat> this would be the other one that I think we might overlap on. Unless, in your opinion, like, we've already passed the ones that you thought we were going to overlap on. I thought we were going to overlap on Ultron with me. Oh, okay. Well, then, Popkiss. Yeah. So, uh, this movie is the other Peter Weller movie <laughs> that everybody knows. <laughs> Uh, released July 17th, 1987. Not actually Robocop himself, but his no. nemesis, the Ed 209. Robocop's the good guy. Yes. Uh, Ed, a horrible name for a villain, isn't. Uh, I know it stood for something. It did, it did. Like, uh, like uh, Electronic Defense 209 mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's probably not it. And now there are people just like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
Like, as they're yeah. listening to this. Because Mars is the sixth planet. How the fuck? Exactly. Enforcement it was named droid. after the 27th planet, you fucking idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ed was the doctor. So. Yeah, exactly. Enforcement droid series 209. I was just testing you. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> as you hear the in the background. Um, everybody knows the scene where uh, they're in the, the boardroom and they go to demonstrate it and the dude pulls the gun and Ed, you have 15 seconds to comply. To comply. And the dude just like throws the gun away and everybody starts applauding and he's like, you have five seconds to comply. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. And he just pulps that dude. Yep. That was the edited version of that scene. In the originally filmed version of that scene, the gunfire went on for something like 39 seconds, and it was just a red <laughs> mist in the room afterwards. There's so, something great about RoboCop. Oh, yeah. Lie. It was very visceral. Like, it was just a graphic and visceral movie. Mm-hmm. At the end, when he fucking kills Boddicker with the data spike, and it's just... That from the side of his neck, like 15 yards worth of arterial spray. Yeah. It was like an 80s action film that was allowed to be a two in the morning Cinemax 80s action film that somehow got like a big enough budget. It's yeah, weird. Exactly. It's a canon, it's like a canon film given time or a trauma film. Yes. Remember, I think my favorite, the, my favorite reminder of RoboCop I had in recent years was somebody was wearing a shirt that says, remember that scene where RoboCop shoots that guy in the dick? <laughs> <laughs> what a random thing to wear, but yes, I do. That's Thank you for an awesome that t-shirt. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. And my last one is um, one of the most horrifying robots I've ever experienced in uh, media. And this, <clears throat> this is one where uh, if you were a certain video game type of player, you, you probably ran across it. It was an adventure game uh, based on a story by one of my favorite writers, Harlan Ellison. Um, this is a robot who keeps, uh, sorry, let's start, let's start at the beginning. Humanity's dead. No one's left except for these five people because the robot needs them to torture. He figured out a way to keep them immortal, so they keep them immortal. They go through these different, in the video game, they go through these different experiences where their death is inevitable and their pain and their torment. And it goes through some, in the book, it goes through some deep psychological shit uh, where this robot is like reminding this woman of the child she lost and reminding this man of when he was a cruel and vicious uh, killer, but now he, the robots enforced empathy on him and the robots made them immortal so we can keep doing this forever. It is, the robot's name is Am. As, um, as in, I think, therefore I. The story is, I have no mouth and I must scream. Um, and I was, uh, I originally experienced it in the video game because uh, the short story was turned into it. And then later, uh, at the short story, the video game might actually be creepy. It's hard as hell. It's one of those like moon logic video games. Like click the 
bicycle pump to open up the tree to get the magical honey. It's not like that. It's about torture, but still. <clears throat> um, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten to appreciate the short story a lot more. Uh, the robot of Am is just pure malevolent evil. And the idea being was that each of the three great nations of the world at the time in this day after tomorrow future um, all had autonomous AI to understand when to fire back if nuclear devastation occurs um, and all three of them merge. And they realize that, well, we're not the problem. They are. Yeah. Because that never goes wrong. Nope. And uh, so, you, yeah, the whole thing is just these five people having their lives torn asunder over and over and over again until they are sludgy goo piles. I have no mouth and I must scream. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm ending on a happy note. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. My honorable mention brings it back. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Uh, so my last one before my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, was the start of something amazing that very, uh, recently fell the fuck off. Um, mm. however, there were some really cool, creepy robots in them. They weren't exactly the smartest robots, but they were fucking fast. They were menacing and just the fluidity with which they were, uh, rendered and, uh, displayed on the screen made the Sentinels from 1999's The Matrix ah, um, absolutely horrifying. Um, they, they didn't have to be like self-aware and intelligent. They were literally just basically drones. They were worker yeah. bees, but they were fucking creepy. Uh, very, are. very very Geiger-ish in their, their movements and all the tentacles and the octopod-looking design yeah. that they had. Um, and the fact, like, the, the creepiest scene I can remember is when they're coming after the Nebuchadnezzar down that kind of, like, narrow tunnel, but there's, like, 50 of them. And they're yes. just doing that, like, aliens swarm where they're not coming at you in a straight line. It's just, like, wherever there's room, they're just kind of, like, yeah. Yeah. And what I love about them is is that throughout most of the Matrix, through the primary amount of the initial Matrix, anyway, you are in the regular world with regular people, with regular everything, and all of it's fucking fake. But when we start dealing with the future outside world... It's these like crazy hyper futuristic monsters that don't even make sense on how they fly, but they look like they're swimming through air somehow. Oh, they're so cool. I, 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 I won't lie. I think those monsters are brilliant, brilliantly neat. And they were, uh, I wanted to have one hive mind on my list. It was between that Borg Queen and, okay. um, oh, what was it? It was Borg Queen. Those guys. Oh, and the phalanx, and that's what I picked. Sentinels are a great call. For mine, uh, my honorable mention is he's not an overlord, so he couldn't make the list, but he is one of the most badass robots in all of robotdom. Um, 
As a matter of fact, from a show where I learned the art of saying robot instead of uh, robot, from a creature by the name of Zoidberg, I am talking about Bender from Futurama. Because mm-hmm. he's bad and he knows it, baby. He's been uh, a pimp. He's taken over. He's, had, he's thrown robot revolutions. He's gone and destroyed universes to save his buddies or to specifically... Uh, not be bored. Um, Bender's wonderful. Futurama's been our go-to rewatch show, and he's not my favorite character in the series, but he's the top. He's in the top three. Uh, there's there's other great robots in that show, but but Bender's badass, and he could be an overlord if he wanted to. He'll tell you he could. Well, I'm sure. All right. So I have one honorable mention. Yep, please. And I would love to tell you what it is, but I'm afraid I can't do that, James. <laughs> I mean... I had to... Go ahead. It had, I was going to say, it had to be on here somewhere. Yeah, I had to put Hal on here. Hal 9000. And the reason he's my honorable mention is twofold. A... He's not really a robot. And hmm. B, he's not really evil. But, Interesting. Well, I mean, so when was the last time you saw 2001? Well, we're going to put that under movies in which I've never seen all the way through because I fall asleep. Okay. <clears throat> gotcha. Okay. The, thus spoke there a while. So... Hal's problem was that he had two different main motivations, two uh-huh. two different main programs that he had to adhere to. The first one was that he had to relay information accurately to the rest of the crew. Okay. And the second one was that he had to withhold specific information from Bowman and Poole as to the true purpose of the mission that they were on. Okay. So it became conflicted between how do I tell them the truth without telling them the truth? Because Mm. I have to tell them the truth, but I can't tell them the truth. So how can I rectify this? (laughs) I know. I won't have to lie to them if they're dead. That was the thought progression of Hal 9000 and why he ended up killing off the crew. So this, well, this way I don't have to lie to anybody. I mean, hmm. Is that evil? I don't know. You're right. I don't exactly. know that's evil. It's, it's, it's a very, very misapplied set of logic. Yes, we'll go with that. It's very well put. Uh, it's 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 a few good men logic. Like it, I did something bad, but I was it was my orders. It's it's Ozymandias in logic. It's it's yes, we're going to do something bad, but it will be for the good of 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 something. The greater good. Um. All right. Yeah. Hal was definitely on the. I. I. Hal was well represented in 
every piece of uh, robot media or evil computer or whatever media I searched through. And there's good reason. Um, having never even seen that far into the movie, like I know what he looks like. It's a great visual, just that red dot, that red circle. Um, thoroughly get it. But now knowing that he was, he was more misunderstood is very nice. I like a defense of Hal. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and then when they remake this, it'll be like Maleficent or Dracula Untold, where they're they're gonna make Hal the sympathetic <laughs> character. And, yes, but now you understand why he was evil and why he killed everybody. No. I'm just saying he will we'll have a Hal with the problems. Yeah, childhood and I think and, I honestly yeah. think that was where the quote unquote horror and suspense was supposed to come in from this show. Um, because you're kind of watching it, like, you know, through laced fingers over your face going, is he really putting one and one together and coming with death? <laughs> like one plus one equals dead crew. I hate new algebra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Now, with that said, you folks out there have favorite robots. You have favorite computers. You have favorite evil machines. Where, Rob? Where can they tell us the order of the planets? You can go to somethingcast.com, the repository for all things something, which I can thankfully say that at this time, whether you're listening to this on our Patreon on April 1st, or you're listening to this on our website or through your podcatcher of, force, podcatcher of choice on April 4th, somethingcast.com has not yet become self-aware and self-replicating to become the evil podcast overlord that we suspect it might in the future. Um, Let me add one footnote that we're aware of. Yeah, well, I said, yeah, at, yeah. as of this time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, somethingcast.com. Let us know what you think. You can find all of our social medias over there, our Twitters, our uh, Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Patreons, patreon.com slash something something cast. Um, and since we are now into the month of April, I have no qualms saying next month okay, yeah. we will be part of the new live stream for The Cure on yes, May. We will be on May 20th. The event is from May 18th, 19th, and 20th. We are raising $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. You can go to livestreamforthecure.com. It will have all of the upcoming information, all of the different social medias that you can follow them on so you can keep track of the who and the where and the, the what's and the when's of everybody who's going to be part of this amazing charity that we are happy to once again be a part of. It was one of the biggest podcast parties of the year, and we are thrilled to be a part of it. Yep. Well, then, with that said, I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. And I'm the website. See ya. Something, something, something. Okay, here we go.